I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 92 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the411mania.com website, and any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around on social media, hit the thumbs up and subscribe on the old YouTube. We would greatly appreciate it. Joining me tonight is my regular co-host, Steve Cook. Steve, how are you tonight, sir? Oh, hey, hey, hey. I'm doing fantastic and splendid, and uh, let's go with PG, too. Have you seen any new movies lately? No. No, no, I haven't seen any new movies lately. I'm one of those people who, whenever they have the, you know, whenever they have the, the Oscars and whatnot, and they talk about all the movies that are nominated, I, I never know any of those movies. I just don't. Okay, I, I set you up for a classic line, Steve, and you just drop the ball. Yeah. What was it? I asked you if you watched any new movies lately, and you're supposed to tell me you watched The Wizard of Oz for the first time the other day. Come on, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Dude, it's 12.10 in the... It's 12.10 a.m., for God's sakes. I've been up for, like, 20 hours. <laughs> gotta remember, we gotta steal off the Raven Sandman shoot interview while we can. It's still fun. <laughs> we do have a... We do have a Raven... We, we have a Raven topic tonight, actually. Yeah, I'll... Uh, we'll do that real quick first when we get into the news. I'll let you talk about it, because I saw it pop up, and I didn't read it, so... But, uh, yeah, we're going to start off, uh, we're going to do AEW and TNA as all, or, I'm sorry, NXT tonight as always. I was looking at the format for later on for next week. But, uh, yeah, AEW and uh, NXT tonight, and we're obviously going to hit the uh, the news like we like to do every week here. Because it's fun to keep up and talk about. So, Steve, first up on the news, what is this Raven stuff you were just bringing up? Because I, I saw it, but I didn't read it. Well, um, if you're watching Dynamite tonight, uh you, you you saw in the first match where the Dark Order made an appearance. Uh, they 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 appeared in the crowd and there was some hubbub going on and uh, people ended up getting taken out because people don't like the Dark Order. But if you if you were looking in the crowd, if there was a gentleman sitting behind the Dark Order, and that gentleman just happened to be none other than Raven. Well, there you go. Yes, Raven was sitting in the crowd behind the Dark Order. So. We don't know if that means anything or if it doesn't mean anything. If they might be putting kind of putting Raven out there, there's maybe another possibility to be the exalted one. I just hope they're messing with people because obviously they they've been heavy handed on the Daniels teases. Yeah, and um, you know, put having Raven in the crowd is a great tease. So it's like, yeah, I think it's exactly. I think it's. I think that's what that is. I think uh, Raven. I mean, they're they're in Atlanta, and I believe Raven does live in the Atlanta area, so he's probably there check the show out anyway and say hi to some of his old buddies and whatnot and uh somebody could probably figured hey why don't we just kind of stick raven out in the crowd and see if people notice yeah i mean it, honestly i seriously didn't even notice i was trying to pay attention to the match which was uh, very chaotic and action-filled so i was trying to uh, recap this as best as i could but uh yeah there's a no, lot of stuff going on yes yeah. but that's a uh, that's a good little easter egg though i like that so uh but yeah, lots of news to talk about, Steve. We got all kinds of stuff, and uh, one of the bigger things that popped up early in the week was Tito Ortiz was training at the WWE Performance Center in what was uh, billed as a feeling-out period between both Ortiz and WWE, spread out over a few days to determine if they could work together at some point. Uh, Ortiz did some training, got familiar with uh, how the company operates, and he has expressed interest in coming to WWE to work with Brock Lesnar or Kane Velasquez. I mean, obviously, my man is trying to probably pick up a nice Saudi payday, and who can blame him? 
No, you can't blame him for that. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you can come in and get a, a couple million dollars, whatever the hell they make over there for not doing a whole heck of a lot of work, it's uh, it's worth trying if you're Tito Ortiz. Me, I have absolutely no interest whatsoever in seeing Tito Ortiz in WWE at this point. Just, uh, no, it doesn't do anything for me. But I can definitely see it uh, happening simply because... Vince is a. I think we've established Vince is a pretty big mark for these uh, real athletes. Pretty much. And, I mean, um, you see the main events in these days. It's Brock. It's Kane Velasquez. It's uh, freaking Tyson Fury. Well, and, well, hey, in their defense, Kane only actually worked the one show, and then like hasn't been back because he was smart and got signed with a knee injury, and then got them to pay to take care of it. Smart move. So. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I have really no interest in Tito. I saw Tito pop up in TNA. Um, I, listen, Tito does have great charisma. He's not exactly a great talker. Um, but the real issue is you have to be real with the whole thing. Tito is 45. He has back and neck issues. And he had a really long MMA career. There is a lot of mileage on your body um, after that. Plus, I mean, honestly... I don't know how viable or valuable Tito Ortiz is in 2020. Yeah. If the uh, buy rate for the uh, Tito and Chuck Liddell show was an indication, there'd be not very much. And I'm guessing it wasn't a whole lot different for uh, Tito and Alberto Del Rio. Probably not. I mean, yeah, it's just, uh, but Hey, you know what? If he can weasel a payday out of Vincent DeSaudi is good for him. Don't, don't want to see him. it, but I mean. And you're right in that he's not really a great talker, but he does have an innate sense of charisma. Oh, definitely. So. So. Uh, you know, I mean, if you if you uh, rewind back ten years or so, Tito could have done some good stuff in pro wrestling. Probably, yeah. So, but we'll see what happens with old Tito there. Um, next up, uh, looks like some good news for Sasha Banks. She got a role in uh, season two of The Mandalorian on Disney Plus. That uh, Fox Disney WWE synergy working for, her. and I know Sasha's had aspirations. She obviously loves wrestling, but she's also wanted to be a star. Period. So, uh, very good news for if you're Sasha Banks, there, Steve. Yes, indeed, and it uh, gives her more an excuse to not be on SmackDown. That's right. I mean, and can you blame her if you've watched SmackDown some weeks? <laughs> no, certainly not. Certainly not. Uh, is there any, does she have some kind of an injury? Is there some kind of an issue going on? They, like, what's the- Well, they set up an injury that it was an ankle injury a while ago, and they were playing that up. I don't know if that was real or not, or if they were just finding a way to keep her off TV. It's hard to fucking tell with them because, you know, they just, they do shit to do shit a lot of the time. I mean, May part of her coming back was simply that she wouldn't work as many dates. And that could be very well, exactly. That very well could be the case. And you know what? If she got paid for it, good for her. Indeed. Uh, and getting to be on Lauren, pretty cool. That's right. That's, that's really cool. So, uh, Steve, we talked some Hall of Fame stuff last week. We got some more Hall of Fame news. Looks like JBL and Davy Boy Smith are heading into the WWE Hall of Fame, Steve. I thought they inducted JBL. I I guess I didn't miss that or I missed that or one or the other. I thought he was already in. No, I, he was part of helping to induct Teddy Long, but he wasn't inducted. Okay. Well, I mean, JBL I could care I could care less about, but not exactly a surprise. Uh the British of Bulldog, Dave Boy Smith long overdue. 
long overdue. It's, he should have been in there a long time ago. Um, and you can make an argument, too, for him and the Dynamite Kid as the British Bulldogs tag team, but I guess that's not going to be in the cards. That's probably not going to be. Um, I, I have no problem with Bulldog going in. I know people have wanted it for an extremely long time. And uh, I am in full agree with you, agreement with you on Dynamite Kid. I think the Bulldogs going in, because the Bulldogs were a hell of a tag team. And then you look at the fact that, you know, Tom Billington was an early architect of what really became what the light heavyweight style is today still. Because you look back on shit between 82 and 85 with Tiger Mask, and that shit still looks state-of-the-art today. So, I mean, just uh, as a worker, and then people are going to go, well, he didn't do a ton in WWE. Well, fuck, they're going to probably put Liger in this year. <laughs> Liger like made, like I think, a couple appearances maybe before that TakeOver appearance or something, but still. I'm going to say that was the one. I mean, I think it was. So, I mean, yeah, so it's not like Liger. And they've also put in a bunch of other people that technically didn't do shit in WWE. No offense, Stevie Ray didn't do shit in WWE. You know, and he, no, he got to go in with Booker, so, I mean. I still think they should have brought him as an announcer. So we can talk about the Suck has got to know, Tony. <laughs> Uh, the Elimination Chamber's coming up, Steve, and the women's lineup looks to be finalized. Shayna Baszler, Asuka, Ruby Riot, Natalia, Liv Morgan, and Sarah Logan. Steve, how are you feeling about that? So Shayna Baszler's going to win, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much my feeling. Nothing to see there, be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, with all due respect to all the ladies involved. But, yeah, that, that, that's the way that's going. Yeah, the thing that more annoys me than anything, because like the you know, the uh, the SmackDown Chamber with the men, in theory they could throw us a curveball and it may not be um, Roman, but with the women it really should be Shayna. They had the history from Survivor Series. They shot that big angle on Raw, and instead of just like Becky demanding, Becky should have just you know demanded that she gets to face her, and instead they're doing the Elimination Chamber bullshit. Feels like one of those matches that they're probably going to work really hard, but may suffer from a complete lack of drama. Yep. And, yeah, it should be a complete lack of drama because we don't need to try to work the sheets. We don't have to be like, oh, you know, let, let's work the sheets. Let's have Sarah Logan go over. You know, that, that'll be good. You know. There you go. So, uh, Steve, i got to tell you something. Uh, I'm not pleased with the NWA today. Oh, you're not pleased with the National Wrestling Alliance or with the rap group? The National Wrestling Alliance, Steve. Oh, boy. What did they do now? Well, first of all, I'm still angry that they dropped into the fire. Yeah. I I think we're all upset about that. I'm not a fan of that. But the other thing is, they announced this week that the Crockett Cup is set for Atlanta. And I I was right about Atlanta. They're running a bigger building uh, than I thought. Uh, I thought they may run center stage, but... They're actually running one of the newer buildings there. Nice big building. Uh, Good for them. Here's the problem I have. They have decided not to run on a Friday. Mm. They're not going to run on a Saturday either. They've announced their pay-per-view for Sunday, April 19th. I find Mm. this to be not only inconvenient for me, but a completely stupid move for the fact that Impact has a pay-per-view that night and it's been announced for seven or eight weeks. I have no clue why if you're a smaller company trying to make as much money as you are trying to make in one batch, why you would stack your pay-per-view up against somebody else. And I know well, people let's... are going to, hang on, I know people are going to go, well, it's just impact or shit like that. But the fact is, I think it's a bad move. 
I was going to go to the point where Billy Corgan and Impact uh, have quite the history uh, with each other. And they did the, not part ways on good terms. This is true, but it's still, it's like, I don't know, dude. It's like, it, why not just do Saturday? Saturday at 6.05. Is there anything on Saturday? Well, there's, a, there's something on every damn Saturday. There's always something. There's always some kind of damn show. There's probably some C-level UFC show on ESPN+. Yeah. Plus. Who the fuck cares? Probably something. There's there's always something, man. But the thing no is... Matter, no matter what day you put on, it's going to be up against something. Well, here's the thing. Even if, say, there's a UFC pay-per-view that night, if they go with their 6.05 start time, they're always done by 9.30, which means they're done before the pay-per-view main card. Yeah. So there's like no conflict. I just I don't see why you would want to run against another wrestling company when you're trying to get as much buys as you can. And maybe you're right. Maybe Billy's is trying to fuck with Impact. Still think it's a bad move though. Well, I'm not I'm not saying it's a smart move, but I'm saying, but I will say that uh, I think when Billy found out that uh, Impact is holding pay per view on that day, <laughs> that that didn't exactly encourage him to not do that. That probably encouraged him. He probably thought, okay, fuck him. The other thing, too, is um, the that April date is a little sketchy, man, because that's the Mania month, and there's yep. approximately 500 shows WrestleMania weekend in Florida. And yeah. so any possible um, fly-in crowds are probably going to be really low for an NWA show. Now, granted, they're going to get their NWA fans who are loyal to the product to go to the show and everything. But again, you're running a bigger building, and you chose to do it in that super busy month. Again, not exactly. I think a smart call. No, I I don't disagree with that at all. But uh, it's their call, I suppose, and it's going to be the Crockett Cups. They'll have the they're going to have Scroll and all this. Uh, from all indications, I think that's I don't know if that's made official yet or not. But uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's official pretty much at this point. And then you got the Crockett Cup tournament, so we'll we'll see. Then they're going to. They're going to do the build-up to that pretty soon. They're having tapings pretty soon, right? I'm not 100% sure, to be honest with you. They probably, but... Because I know they ran... They kind of got to the end of their most recent tapings. And that's why they had the circle squared thing this week. Yeah. So we'll see what's going on with that. I just... uh, Some questionable business moves, in my opinion, but... You know... Billy Corgan has a 35-year plan. Hey, yeah, I'm sure he doesn't give a fuck is, what I think either. So. This is part of the plan, man. You got you got to take out your competition, which right now for them is Impact Wrestling. There you go. So, last thing on the news list is uh, we got a little uh, got a little kerfuffle going on between MLW and WWE. Steve, mm. MLW attorneys have engaged WWE attorneys over the past week, according to PW Insider. Because uh, MLW is alleging that WWE are attempting to tamper with contracted MLW talents. What? I know you're shocked, Steve. The hell you say? This reportedly has nothing to do with Davey Boy Smith Jr. appearing on WWE's The Bump last week. And according to all reports, it is regarding multiple talents. Uh, since MLW started signing talents in 2018, the language in the contract specifically forbids them from working WWE dates. So any direct communication between signed MLW talents and WWE would be signed, uh, looked at as a breach of contract. 
by MLW management. Obviously, third-party discussions have always gone on in pro wrestling. MLW has allegedly strengthened the exclusivity of their contracts with their talent since AEW came into a launch in the year and since their contracts were written on napkins and guys apparently signed exclusive deals and then walked away like Rouge. Yeah. Sketchy, sketchy contracts. Talked about it lots of times with the Cubs fan. He was uh, not impressed with these MOW contracts. and Yeah, very sketchy contracts, Steve. The Cubs good. fan knows a thing or two about sketchy contracts. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he watches AAA and CML. I forgot say that, that comes with the territory covering Mexico, man. I mean, yeah, the, the, all the, all the, any contract in Mexico is uh, not worth a napkin's print on. So, and uh, this is definitely, obviously, you know, by Steve's laughter, this comes as no surprise, because if you remember a few years ago, before Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish and a few people got signed, uh, ROH alleged the same thing with WWE and got into a little legal fight with them, which led to WWE waiting for ROH contracts to not only end, but wait 90 days for them to sign talent so that they could uh, make sure they weren't alleging uh, misappropriation or anything. So, yeah, I think what's going to happen at the end of the day is WWE is going to get who they want eventually. That's usually how these things have gone throughout the course of the past uh, 40 years or so. They are. And the other thing is, I mean, obviously I'm not saying MLW is wrong. If you have guys linked to a good contract, I mean, you should push back. But the thing is, too, they have to be a, be a little realistic about it because you don't want to get into a legal battle with Jerry McDivitt and WWE because they'll drag your ass out for years and make you go broke. Mm-hmm. So uh, pick your battles. Make sure you're picking the right guys. Push back a little bit if you can. Try to scare them into a settlement or to back and off for a while. But, yeah, they got to be careful because they don't want to lose a shit ton of money. And the thing is, again, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm saying they're right cause it is their talent if they have good contracts. But... Got to be careful, Steve. But, yeah, it's it's the wrestling business, and we all know that WWE's going to get who they want eventually. Yeah, I know you just... That's how it goes. That's how it goes 99% of the time. You sounded so shocked that WWE may be tampering with talent, Steve. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, I've, we've never seen that before. <laughs> uh, so that's, uh, that's going to wrap up our short news and notes for the week, Steve. Brings us to AEW Dynamite. February 19th, 2020, Steve, in Atlanta, Georgia. Home of the Braves, home of the Hawks, home of uh, the Falcons, home of Atlanta United, home of the Thrashers. Well, Thrashers aren't around anymore. Home of a lot of stuff, including uh, professional wrestling, uh, a classic wrestling town in Atlanta, as uh, the NWA can tell you, too. That's right. So we started off the evening with the number one contenders uh, tag team battle royal. The winners getting a tag team title shot at the uh, pay-per-view coming up next weekend. We had the Young Bucks, SCU, the Stronghearts, Best Friends, Dark Order, not Uno and Grayson, but the Dark Order geeks. Private Party, yes. the Butcher and the Blade, Santana and Ortiz, Jack Evans and Angelico, and the Jurassic Express, Steve. And at the end of the day, the Young Bucks won our tag team battle royal, as many expected, 1805. What were you? Th- what were your thoughts on our opener? Well, I thought um, I thought obviously the uh, right team won as far as storyline goes. I mean, we've been, we've been talking about the Young Bucks. We've been talking about uh, Hangman and Kenny here for a while. So that seemed like it's going to be a match at uh, Revolution. Spoiler alert! You know, it is what it is. That's a uh, logical booking there. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on, as we said earlier. It's kind of a 
that's a tag team battle royal, so of course it's kind of a cluster mess. There's just, you know, people flying around, you know, people doing silly string and all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, there were a couple of high points that I especially enjoyed. Um, I think we all enjoyed the Luchasaurus and the Butcher going at it. That was pretty good. Nice hossy battle. The two big bowls going at it. We might see more of that down the line. We'll see. I thought, uh, yeah, the Butcher had a pretty good show in this match, I thought. I thought he uh, got a chance to look good and may build up some stuff in the future for Butcher, Blade, and Bunny with uh, a couple different trios, possibly with uh, the Jurassic Express, possibly with the best friends in Orange Cassidy. Some interesting stuff there. And, of course, Orange got to come in and do his stuff. And just a diabolical genius man. Just keep trending there for so long. And, uh, yeah, uh, we got a couple hugs. A couple hugs. Multiple hugs. Anytime there's a match with multiple hugs, that's always a good time. So, yeah, this, they've fallen. They've had the habit recently of having these uh, tag team matches start to show off nice and hot and get the crowd excited. And that's exactly what they did here. Yeah, I am I am not a big fan of traditional battle royals, Steve. I think a lot of them are rather bad. Because a lot of the time it's just standing around, not a lot going on, little brawling yeah. here and there. Um, but I thought this one really bucked the trend, especially as a tag team one, because a lot of the times they're just not booked well. I thought it was really good. I thought it was a lot of fun. As you mentioned, they told a lot of little stories throughout the match. Crowd was into it. It was all action. I thought the layout was really good. And like you said, the Young Bucks winning were the right team winning for the story that had been established going in. And I thought this was like a rare, high-quality battle royal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think we would agree that outside the Royal Rumble, you just don't see a lot of battle royals that you remember uh, about a week or two down the line. Most yeah. of them just kind of, you know, most of them just kind of throw away things to set up a kid a number one contender, pretty much like this one did. Except, except the guys were going at and they got to do their spots, and everybody was happy. I must say that, as you mentioned, uh, Orange Cassidy at one point saved Trent's life, caught him on his shoulders, and walked yes. him around the ring to keep him in the match. And then he got later low blowed by the bunny and taken out. Mm. Um, Chuck uh, Chuck Taylor felt betrayed on Twitter, Steve. He he, uh, he felt betrayed. He said, "I got eliminated." Orange Cassidy saved Trent, and then he felt extra betrayed when Trent and Matt Jackson were running wild and they shared a hug during the match. Yeah, I mean, you, one has to wonder if that's going to play a role in something down the line. Although, if I was Chucky e. T, I think I, I think I'd be smart enough to keep that tag team going. That's right, but you can't blame I'd, the I'd value my I'd value my paycheck over my feelings in that instance, in that instance. This is true, but you cannot blame the man for feeling a little betrayed, though. Because, uh, well, I mean, he said, you know, Orange Cassidy didn't save him. Matt didn't hug him. Just, it's a rough night for Chuck. No, no, Chuck's sensitive soul. He just needs to get some, he just needs to get some Jim Beam. He'll be all right. This is true. Uh, we had a shot of backstage. Cody, Brandy, and Pharaoh were taking a walk to the ring. Yeah. Getting ready for the evening. Uh, women's action up next, Steve. Chris Statlander and Shauna. Chris Statlander, uh, you know, the favorite alien there, defeated Shauna at eight minutes via pin. I thought they had a good and competitive match here. Uh, Statlander picking up the win uh, made sense. She's the one who's been getting uh, the push more lately. I thought Shauna got to look good in the match, though. It was enjoyable. Big pop at the beginning of the match as Britt Baker joined for commentary and had a a custom Starbucks-esque cup with Tony Schiavone's face on it. 
Very nice. And she brought him a low-fat mocha latte <laughs> because Tony has been gone for 20 years and has to watch the pounds to stay on TV. That's right. And then name spelled T-O-N-E-Y as well. Yes. Yeah, because that's what happens at Starbucks, man. And then another highlight was Jim Ross asked somebody to explain the alien thing to him, and Excalibur said, well, maybe a brick can explain it to you. She goes, um, I'd like to, but I'm more a expert in a dental medical field, you know, so don't really get it. <laughs> just like, yeah, just a fun little stuff. But the, uh, the coffee cup, the stuff with Tony and her is so much fun. Tony continually kissing her ass, too. Just, just great stuff. Good, good, good time, good times there. That's a, that's a good power couple right there. I, it's always enjoyable, and I thought the pretty good match. Statlander has impressed a lot of people on the indies, and she's had a pretty good run here in AEW so far. I kind of wish that Jim Ross would stop calling her the larger woman. That's kind of kind of weird. I don't know. Just, yeah. <laughs> Emphasizing the weight difference, like I, I don't know about that. Well, man. The, like the worst part. Not, let, the and, worst part yeah. was at one point he's like, Statlander <laughs> really taking that forty pound weight advantage. I'm like, whoa! Like Jim, calm down a little bit, brother. I'm like, can't you just say she's the more powerful athlete and leave it at that? Because yeah, it's, it's not it's, even. She's not like that much bigger than her. You know what I mean? And she, it's not even like she's awesome Kong or anything. You know? Yeah. I mean. Well, it's awesome Kong out there. Okay, yeah, sure, you play up the way advantage or whatever, but says Statler's not that, you know, she's not like, uh, not Big Day Cool Diesel or whatever, you know, so I, I don't I don't get JR's whole deal with that. And uh, I think uh, Sh- Shanna did a good job. She's uh, been pretty solid in uh, kind of working with some of these younger folks and kind of, uh, you know, getting them, getting them to do their stuff the right way. She had a nice little series with uh, Nyla Rose, and now she's working with Statlander, and I think she's got something to come up with Britt Baker as well, if uh, what they're saying on commentary is any indication. So, nice role for her. I thought they had a pretty good match here, and uh, it's continuing the the good trend as far as uh, the AEW women's divisions goes, where it, it was off to a rocky start, but we're finally starting to get to have some uh, nice, solid matches with these ladies. That's right. Plus, you add in the recent Britt uh, Baker promo stuff, and yeah, definitely turning around. There was one point during this match where I thought Chris Statlander died because she got knocked knocked to the mat and she's like laying against the uh, the bottom rope with her arms on it, and Shanna fucking killed her with a running dropkick. <laughs> Just I was like, the alien is fucking deceased. So it was, I feel uh, like somebody dies every time she hits her finish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look like Shanna freaking bounced on her head and it looks like that every time she does it like jesus yeah but uh good, but good. i guess jay would point out how she has those wider legs and help cushion and blow or something that's probably, probably what he would say so yeah <laughs> good little match though i enjoyed this uh, a lot it was good stuff it didn't overstay its welcome either because they were preparing statlander for something else later uh yeah. we got highlights of nyla rose winning the championship last week which led to a nyla rose promo segment with tony shivani and uh, you know what's funny is this is going to lead into the next segment, but I really think that, like, I-, I like Tony a lot on commentary. I think Tony is a lot of fun because he seems like he's having so much fun and he's happy. Yeah. But I also really think that Tony should really be utilized more in this almost mean gene role. Because sure. I think he's really good at it. The stuff with Britt Baker was has been really good. His stuff with Cody's been really good. And the other thing was, during the John Moxley-Jeff Cobb match, which was next, Taz joined commentary, and Taz was excellent during that match. 
Agreed. I mean, he's definitely good. Good job highlighting the uh, workers involved there. But uh, I mean, it's a good problem to have right now. I guess you actually have some good. Yeah. Good. I mean, here maybe we can just it's add. Tough. Maybe we just add Taz and Jim Ross can take a walk. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't mind that. But uh, you know, somebody yeah. make the argument that. I mean, Jr. equals ratings. So I'm, fucking bullshit. And, uh, and Jr. probably has a role. Jr. probably has a role as well. He, I like Jr. in those sit-down interviews he does with people. Yeah, I mean, again, there's a place for him in the company, obviously, but I don't think it's commentary every week. But so Nala cut a promo, talked about the fans being annoying little bees, complaining about her title win. She said her title win was justice. She should have been the first champion. She should be the highest paid woman, and she should be on all the posters. Uh, the waiting, though, made her hungry, and she came back and broke bitches and broke Riho last week. Yeah. And you kind of really can't argue with that. She kind of did in the end of the day. Yeah, she did. Said, she, uh, she represents power, and you can say uh, what you're going to say, but she's the queen bee around here. And um, one, she's going to only be a one-time champion because no one can beat her and no one else is a beast like her. That led to Chris Statlander popping out and pointing at the title, referring to she the fact that she wants a title shot. Uh, Big Swole also popped out, and uh, she seemingly wants a title shot as well. Uh, yeah. Strong little segment from the ladies here, a mini pull part at the end. And like like we said last week, and like you just said earlier, I mean, women's division obviously started extremely rough. Um, like Riho was kind of like the lone highlight for the longest time, but it was inconsistently booked and just a lot of stuff not clicking. Nightmare Collection stuff obviously didn't help. Um, but you know, you got rid of the Nightmare Collection. You have Britt Baker killing it with the heel stuff right now, and you just have like the matches are getting better, and it just seems like the whole division is on an uptick right now, which is certainly a good thing. Uh, no doubt about that, and I think that. Uh... I definitely, I, I see that, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Nyla's uh, gotten a lot better. I think a lot of them are uh, are stepping up and proving whatnot. I'm just, I'm kind of reading something on the Twitter here right now, so I'm kind of distracted because it's in relation to something I was about to mention with uh, Big Swole when she uh, stepped up to Nyla Rose and uh, she happened to drop the word brother. I don't know if you heard that or not. You might not have heard that because it's off the it's off the microphone, but it was definitely uh definitely you could definitely hear it. And uh, but I'm reading here where apparently uh, it's all smoothed out, and uh, apparently Swole meant nothing bad about it. So so it's not an issue. But uh, for set for Matt, there's like, oh wait a minute, that's all I don't know, you know. But uh, apparently everything's okay. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm sure she meant nothing by it. It's it's the fucking wrestling, dude. I mean, how many brothers do you get in the locker room? You know, <laughs> seriously. A uh, fair point, but you know, we're coming off. I mean, you know, you have Jim Ross talking about the King of the Mountain. I don't know, and uh, fucking Val Venus, who, who you know, Ugh, that guy. What a piece of shit. You know, another one who I had the I had the we had to talk about Val Venus a couple weeks ago, and here he and I said back then and went. Like, back in 2010, I hadn't cared about Val Venus in, like, 10 years. And here he comes again. <laughs> Trying to get himself booked for a match. Like, yeah, okay. I'll, I don't think the promoter's going to be beating his door down for that one. I'm sure Val really cares about the quote-unquote integrity of women's wrestling. I'm sure <laughs> that's in his foremost thoughts. Absolutely. No doubt about it. But, uh Definitely good to read there. There's nothing going on there, and big we don't have to cancel Big Swole, so that's good. Yeah, 
I, I heard it. I didn't think anything of it. I just, you know, wrestling. You You're know? thinking of the pro wrestling brother. That's yeah, that's, that's all I thought about. I mean, I, I think the reason I especially thought of that is there was a um, a clip from the uh, one of the, I think it was the Bischoff podcast with uh, Conrad Thompson. And they were playing the um, promo before the uh, one Hogan-Vader match. And he was talking about um, Hogan's horrible overuse of the word brother. And Bishop yeah. was like, well, it's not that bad. So he plays the promo. <laughs> and it's the, uh, this is where the power lies promo, you know. And there's something like in this 13-minute promo, I think it's like 24 brothers. <laughs> and the best part is the promo's going on. And all you hear in the background of the promo is Conrad going, one. <laughs> And he's like, that's two brothers. Did he at least mix in some dudes and jacks? There might have been, but there were seriously 23 <laughs> or 24 brothers. And it was it was nice. just funny because Conrad was this deadpan in the background, like 17. <laughs> or 18. <laughs> and then, you know, it was, but it's, it's yeah. funny stuff. It, it's you start to wonder why pro wrestling started having script writers. And that's exactly <laughs> why, because people overuse these words like brother. <laughs> I will say what's funny is I, do you ever kind of like chuckle when you're like in real life and somebody you know that is not a wrestling fan like uses wrestling lingo when you think they wouldn't? Oh, yeah. My, my mother-in-law the other day, we're over at the house and she was trying to get um the pasta maker to uh, connect to this uh, mixer she has. She has a little attachment for it. And uh, she's sitting there and she's trying to get it and her husband goes, hey, well, you know, my father-in-law goes, hey, what's wrong, Eileen? And she's like, I can't get this damn gimmick to work. Oh, I was hoping she's just a gimmick. Oh, that's great. And I'm just sitting there smiling. And, of course, Christy's smiling at me because she knows why I'm smiling. It's like, yeah, little things like it. Yeah, I didn't think anything of it. Uh, yeah, I guess it's yeah, non issues, so we can move on. Yeah, I talked with Kevin uh, over the weekend, though. We were um, – I was so disappointed about the whole – not just the Val Venus thing, but the overall negative reaction to the Nyla Rose win – not because she's a quote unquote bad wrestler because she didn't deserve it, but yeah. but because of all the transphobia bullshit. Yeah, unfortunately, that unfortunately wasn't too surprising because that's uh, kind of world we live in where these people are enabled and empowered these days. And like I said, listen, man, if you think Nala Rose happens to be a shitty professional wrestler, hate on her all you want. Yeah. But if you're just going to resort to that bullshit, stay out of my mentions, man. I'll tell you that right now. You're getting a fucking block. Yeah, and, and we did not even bring up the issue last week talking about the match or anything. That didn't, yeah. that, didn't, that didn't even cross my mind, to be honest yeah. with you. I didn't, but I, I'll tell you what, though. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the sad thing is, is like what should have been a big deal of a title change, number one, on TV. And number two, it was a historical moment because she is the, as far as we know, on and, you know in um, major wrestling, the first transgender champion and African-American to boot, and that was something she's very proud of. So it should have been like a nice, happy time for her, and then you got these fuckwads like Val Venus out there. So. Yeah, and, you know, we're, and we're still in an era where we're bringing out Santina Morella and stuff like that, too. Oh, I know. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's like 47 other women under contract at the Performance Center that could have used that cameo. But, hey, uh-huh. we, had to, we had to relive the Santina-Beth Phoenix thing that like nobody remembered. <laughs> poor Beth got her head knocked off and she had to stay in that match so long just so they could do that right I know <laughs> uh, anyway let's talk about good stuff Steve 
Jonathan, yeah. Jonathan Moxley versus Jeffrey Cobb here. Uh, Chris, yes. Jam- Chris Jericho is a hired assassin. And um, as I mentioned, Taz came out and joined commentary. Which uh, kind of the expert on the, he's kind of the expert when it, when it comes to short guys that do a lot of suplexes. So it made sense. Well, that and more like the grappling stuff. Although I did, um, I marked out on um, fucking AEW Dark real quick. I hate to go off track, but yeah, Taz and Excalibur do commentary, and uh, the Young Bucks were doing a match with Peter Avalon and QT Marshall, and um, Matt Jackson did the rolling Northern Light Suplex spot. But instead of like three, he did like fucking eight of them, right? And and Excalibur is like, Taz, what do you got to say? He goes, I'm jealous, brother. And he's like, why? He goes, I wish I would have thought of that. He goes, I wish I could steal it now, but I can't. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought, yeah. No, Taz is really good when, um, like, I I loved when he commented, like, in uh, TNA, like, on, like, the Samojo Kurt Angle matches, like, Desmond Wolf matches. Whenever it's like the more serious matches with grappling, and as you mentioned, guys throwing suplexes, Taz is in his wheelhouse. Yeah. And is really good here. So he joined commentary. Uh, Le Champion Chris Jericho arrived in the crowd with both uh, with Sammy Hagar, as we like to call them. <laughs> By the way, we did not. Did we mention how Sammy Guevara nearly died in the opening match, too? No, we kind of glossed over that. Yeah, they. Uh, oh, yeah. The poor boy tries to jump off the top rope onto the. Uh, Matt Jackson is mad, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they redid Poor the uh, Shelton Benjamin HBK. Super kicks the man's spot. damn head off. Oh my <laughs> god. It looked. <laughs> I, I I said on the like Sammy Guevara is twenty two. Yes. He died. <laughs> he died. That, that boy dead. But somehow he managed to recover in time to come back out of Jericho for this match because they had tickets. Well, listen. Sammy's the ultimate worker. He reminds me of the Big Show in the WWE Jetsons movie. See, in this in this Jetsons movie, the Big Show gets frozen in a block of ice. And the reason he gets frozen in a block yeah. of ice is because he charters a plane and flies it himself because he doesn't want to miss his shot working Sheamus for the championship. Sure. But it goes down into waters, and he gets frozen for centuries until George Jetson finds him. So mm. Sammy's just a good brother and a good worker, and he was going to make his date. Yep. But anyway, this uh, obviously set up last week. Odd tangents tonight, but we're having fun. Uh, John Moxley defeated Jeff Cobb, 11-20 via pin, Steve. And the first thing I want to say is, not only was this really good, but I think Cobb looked great in his debut. And I don't really think, because of everything they did, that anybody's really going to remember he lost his debut. Um, because nah. number one, Moxley should have won. Number two, the inner circle attacked. We had a big beatdown. Dustin tried to make the save. He got beat up, excuse me, until Darby Allen arrived. Lights out gimmick. Darby Allen appears with the skateboard, arrives, runs wild. Got that damn Red Warrior pop, too. That's right. He did. He was fucking over like a <laughs> motherfucker. So he ran wild with his skateboard. Mox and Jericho went face to face, had like a three second scrap until Jericho powdered. First of all, really good match. Second of all, hot closing egg angle. Thirdly, the post match angle set up and helped build three of the pay-per-view matches coming up next weekend. Moxley and Jericho, Darby Allen and Sammy and Dustin and Hager. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's economic booking there for what? A 15 minute total segment. Yeah. And don't you want to see a trio match with, uh, with Moxley and with Dustin and with Darby Allen? Wouldn't that be good stuff? I wrote that in my review. I was like, possibly a trio's match next week. That'd be kind of cool. But yeah, cool I mean, group, it's, yeah. 
I mean, it's definitely, um, I, I loved what they did here because they made the most of their time. Again, you were building the three pay-per-view matches. The match was really good. Thought Cobb looked great in there in his debut. And obviously Moxley has to win because he's going in to face Jericho. <laughs> and um, just a an overall positive addition to the show, I thought. And is and Cobb still working the free agent gimmick, right? As far as I know, that's the, that's the latest word on it. So I, I mean, so obviously, if he's a free agent, I mean, you can you can obviously use him in spots like this, but uh, you're not gonna have him go over your top guy. Exactly. That would be pretty dumb. That'd be uh, that. That's, there are some companies that have done that sort of thing in the past. Uh, TNA, coffee, yeah, TNA. <laughs> they did that all the time, didn't they? Yes. But um, a very economic use of the time on the show, I thought. Yeah, a good match too. And uh, from from reports I had seen, uh, some folks uh, were kind of down on the uh, Moxley Cobb match from the G One, I guess, and uh, uh, the, they got a chance to redo it. Yeah, I, I think they were exp- that match. There was a lot of high hopes for that one, and it just never really got there. Plus, it was a little short too. So, what are you gonna do? What are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to go out there and you're going to suplex uh, John Moxley a bunch. That's right. So, uh, with Steve Cook, we now had another we had a title match, the AEW Tag Team Championship match. Our champions, Kenny Omega and Adam Page versus the Lucha Brothers. And yeah. our champions retained in 1525, Steve, via pin. What did you think of our tag team title match? Oh, good good stuff. I mean, Omega and Hangman just kind of get better together with each passing week and it's nice to see the Lucha Bros get a chance to shine here, and they've shown pretty well. That's just we've seen these teams go at it before in different environments, and they've they have pretty good chemistry with the with the stuff they do. So I enjoyed it, and right team won because you guys set up that match between the between the elite brothers, and of course you know you had to have Nick and Matt come down again and try to steal the thunder. Like uh, what, what's the deal with those guys, man? It's crazy. I don't know. Um, yeah. Come down, try to steal Hangman's Thunder. It's just it's ridiculous. Yeah, after the match, the Young Bucks arrived and were checking on Kenny, and they almost had a pulling war with Paige over Kenny. And then Paige just powdered so he can go out and chug a beer because that's yeah. what he does. And I know I noticed that he probably saw the people on Twitter knocking him for a way he sipped his beer. So he uh, he decided he made sure they chugged that one, that's just right. so y'all knew. <laughs> so uh, I thought this was a, a great tag match. We've had a lot of really great tag matches here on Dynamite as of late this month, and uh, I thought they did a good job of setting things up early on. They slowly opened things up. They let loose Don to stretch with all the big stuff. Thought we had some really great near falls. Obviously, as you mentioned, champions retaining gives us the match they've been teasing for weeks. Thought everybody delivered here. I thought there were some like great hooks and teases throughout. I thought it was a fantastic mix of that high-octane modern wrestling and just a really engaging story that we've been building to. And in all honesty, I thought it was one of the best AEW TV matches so far. And I thought it was, uh, and yeah, it was high-end modern-type wrestling and whatnot, but it didn't feel like it was excessive. Exactly. Because some of these matches feel like they're excessive. And, you know, and uh, since I watched TakeOver uh, over the weekend, uh, you know, there were some good matches on there, but... Yeah, some of them were a little bit excessive. Let's be honest, you know. So, real, but that's NXT, you know. Real quick, while we're on there, what did you think of the Adam Cole Johnny Gargano or Adam Cole uh, Tommaso Ciampa main event? That's kind of one of those matches that uh, probably could have used a little time shaved off. But uh, I mean, 
I can't I they, I can't say they did bad work or anything. It probably could have used a little. They kind of went over the top of some of the booking, you know, with the run-ins, with the ref bump, and kind of a Jeff Jarrett special in that way. And, uh, and then you have the closing with uh, Gargano turning against Ciampa, which, uh, you know, I, we'll probably talk more about that later. But I got to tell you, I did not hate that part as much as a lot of people seem to. No, I didn't. A lot of people got mad. I didn't that. hate that. The, the, the thing that really took away from me is I thought that they were building a really great story. You had you know, Chiampa kind of running wild early. Adam Cole eventually cuts him off with that German onto the announce table. And he's going to target the neck of the dude that was out for nine months because of his neck injury. Yeah. And I thought that was smart. And I thought that they were telling a great story. And they're going to tell this. The whole story is going to be, can Chiampa overcome? Can he get back to the title and overcome the neck injury? And I'm digging this match and I'm into this match. And then they brawl to the floor. And then Adam Cole hits a fucking Panama sunrise on the floor. And then three seconds later, they roll in and Chiampa's hitting his fucking finishers. Yeah. And I'm like, you just fucking power dro- flippy power drove a dude on his surgically repaired neck. And I didn't get a count out tease. Peter Williams probably had a stroke, the poor bastard. Yeah. And I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not like you have to sell everything like death. But that one kind of got to me and started to take me out of it. I was like, come on, man. I'm like, you just had this really great story going. Why'd you do that? That's, that's what they did. That's, that's, that's the way they're taught down there, just to kind of go crazy. So, uh, They had an announcement. Well, we're getting AEW action figures this year, too. Yes, action figures. So, And that's very cool. Exciting. That's very cool. Uh, and you, you kind of had to think um, the possibility of more licensing deals were going to come once they announced the, uh, the TV extension. I think people oh, were... Yeah. Once that hit, I think people were like, yeah, they're going to start getting some more stuff. And that's good. Yeah, now you can do the action figures. Now you can probably, I'm sure there's going to be a video game here at some point. Yeah, well, if you they know, can get a coming. deal for sure. And then, um, like, uh, did you see about the, uh, the, the Germany TV thing? The one uh, company that was carrying WWE is going to be done with WWE and they picked up AEW. Oh. So, I mean, that's. Uh, they got the same German announcers. I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know if the I don't know if the announcers are employed by WWE or by the network, but you know. Yeah. But again, it's like uh, and again, it's um, it's not like the, they're not these aren't like the hugest deals in the world, but positive steps forward are always good. Yep. So uh, next week we got Pack versus Omega in our thirty minute Iron Man match, Steve. Yeah. As well as the best friends versus the Butcher and the Blade with the Bunny. There you go. Yep. Kind of built, so they built that during the uh, tag team battle royal. So. See if um, Orange Cassidy can get any revenge on that harlot. Oh man, I mean, oh, Orange. I'm sure that. Well, you know what? Orange Cassidy wrestles enough ladies on the Indies. I wouldn't be surprised if he had met the Bunny somewhere before. Brother, she kicked. I have no him, idea. She kicked him into Clementines. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying. Yes, yeah, she did. Oh, uh, God love her. <laughs> so that uh, that led to our main event of the evening, uh, Steve. The steel cage match between Cody and the Wardlow. First yes. of all, this was pinner submission and no escape bullshit, which made me very happy. No escape bullshit, that's right. First of all, Screw what did you, what did you think about the look of the cage? Uh, I thought the it looked like a cage, man. 
I know they had the they had the big frame which made it easy to climb up on the side, which you got to have. But uh, I thought I thought the cage was fine, and I thought the extension uh, below the uh, ring apron was uh, pretty good too, and that played into things later on as well. That's right. So because now usually it's kind of cut off on the like on the ring surface, yeah. but then it went all the way down. So, uh, as you would expect, Cody defeated the Wardlow at 1120 via pin so that he can get officially his match with MJF at the pay-per-view, Steve. What did you think of the match overall, and what did you think of the debut of the Wardlow? I was, uh, I gotta tell you, I was impressed with the Wardlow because I was not really sure what to make of the guy as far as his in-ring ability goes. I never saw the guy work anywhere, and... Really, who knows? It could have been could have been bad. It could have been <laughs> it could have been just a big dude. But uh, I thought the guy did a good job, and he, and the, this was the kind of match where it's going to be carried by emotion and stuff anyway. So even if he was terrible, it would have been okay. But no, the guy looked good. Guy looked good in there. Did some good stuff. Um, beat the crap out of Cody there for a while, and Cody just a master of drawing that emotion out of you too. He had a couple big moments. He had the moment with. Uh, MJF and Arn Anderson going at on the outside too. That was something else. With uh, Cody by the cage door and MJF telling Arn to close the door like you did back in 1985 or whatever he's whatever, whatever he said, you know. But uh, Arn decided to close the door on MJF instead. Pretty great, good stuff there. And uh, of course, the way they ended it, freaking Cody Rhodes doing a freaking moonsault off top of the cage. That's a, a, insane, crazy stuff. But uh, man. Crazy, like exactly crazy stuff, and it'll probably be replayed for a very long time. And the thing was, too, is I think we should make sure everybody understands, you know, Cody just didn't do a random fucking moonsault off the cage. The big moonsault off the cage was the finish. Yep. So, you know, I know people are the bitch, but um, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was really good. I thought Wardlow looked good in his debut. And for me, Steve, and I think you agree because you you were a fan of the old school stuff. This felt like a classic territory style story. Yeah, Cody was beaten down. He was bloodied up. He had to overcome the odds. He beats the the big man. He has to pull out all the stops to do so. And now, in ten days, he finally gets his chance at revenge against the man that took the title away from him. Took any chance that he has at the title away from him. When MJF betrayed him. And it's just, it's a classic pro wrestling story. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, man. You just have to do it good. Cody's a baby face. He's in Atlanta. He's in that hometown territory. He gets the juice. The crowd is going nuts. He overcomes the giant. You get that big spot. And again, you know, Arn takes out MJF to make sure he doesn't get involved. Because I was worried when they popped the cage door open. I was like, oh, nope, 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 nope. Don't, don't, don't. I was like, this is your first fucking cage match. Please tell me it is going to be um, important and viable going forward and not bullshit. Yeah. And it wasn't. Because as you said, they had a spot where Arn went to the cage door and Cody's kind of draped out. And MJF is like, you know, slam the door on him, slam the door. And MJF, and you know, Arn grabs the door and he looks like he's thinking about it. But nope, MJF gets a, a face full of cage door and, you know, Cody makes the big comeback. And, um, for you know, people were going to bitch that Wardlow lost in his debut. But the thing is, the Wardlow survived Crossroads. Yep. And then Cody had to finish him with a fucking moonsault off the cage. He also survived the Cody Cutter, which Cody has pinned people with as well. 
So, I mean, he got to survive. He got to beat the shit out of Cody. And I really enjoyed this. thought it was really good, Steve. Yeah. Thank goodness he's able to catch Cody on Moonsault, too, because that, <laughs> that could end badly. I thought M- MGF did a great job making Arn Harrison look like a viable physical threat, too. He was bumping around like a pinball for the guy. Yeah. It's pretty great. And, uh, man, how pissed are people going to be here at Revolution when MGF gets a win? Oh, man, people are going to be furious. Well, I hope so, because that's kind of the whole goal. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to be gets me good stuff. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, just uh, really good. And, yeah, as far, and especially for a first-time cage match in AEW, that's a good way to start the gimmick off. Yeah, and, again, they made it mean something, because you didn't have people getting in the cage. You didn't have anybody getting out of the cage. Even when even when they had the door open, nobody nobody interjecting themselves and stepped in the ring. So, but uh, yes, I greatly enjoyed this. So I'm very happy, Steve. So that is uh, AEW for the night. That is going to lead us to obviously NXT. Also, February nineteenth, two thousand twenty, undisputed era opened the show. Kyle O'Reilly was sad that he doesn't get the air guitar on his belt anymore because they lost him. Adam Cole talks about beating Ciampa because uh, the obsession will never uh, beat his destiny and that he is the greatest NXT champion of all time. They're still the measuring stick of NXT and Roddy's going to prove it tonight against Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream's voice is heard over the speakers, tells Roddy to leave the boys behind and prove he's a man tonight. Do it for Marina and Roddy promises to make him wish he never returned. Yeah. It, it was, was a, it was an interview segment. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was there. So we started off in ring action. NXT Cruiserweight Champion Jordan Devlin defending against Leo Rush. Jordan Devlin retains eighteen thirty five via pin. Steve, uh, what did you think of our opener? Well, that, I thought it was a pretty solid showing for Jordan Devlin, who's a guy they're trying to establish over on this uh, uh, over on this side of the pond as a legitimate threat. As uh, you know, he's already won the championship and. He's got a lot of chance to impress so far, and he's uh, done pretty well. And Leo Rush uh, also uh, got to look impressive in his in his loss, but uh, they went back and forth. But at the end of the day, it's all about continuing to establish Jordan Devlin as a big deal, as it should be. And um, I found this to be a very good title match. I enjoyed it. Uh, they got a lot of time. Um, both guys continue to deliver for NXT. Leo is obviously really good. Jordan Devlin retaining is the right call right now because he's a guy you really need to showcase because up until recently, they've done a poor job of doing that. So, um, you know, he got that big match with Tyler Bate at the NXT UK takeover, getting the Cruiserweight title run. And, I mean, you give him a run for a while because, I mean, Leo's great. Leo's only going to get better. And Leo's like fucking 23. There's plenty of time for Leo to have another run, you know? At 23 years old? Yeah, well, you hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Backstage, Dakota Kai and her new heater, uh, Raquel Gonzalez, were interviewed about their new alliance that started to take over when Raquel Gonzalez cost Tegan Knox their uh, the street fight match. Uh, Raquel was talking about uh, they, they understand what Dakota... She understands what Dakota went through because Tegan got all of the opportunities while Dakota was pushed aside. And that's what Raquel, Raquel saw happen to her at the Performance Center. Unfortunately for them, angry NXT dad William Regal arrived and told Dakota that she's going to be facing Tegan Knox in two weeks. 
Inside a steel cage, Steve. Inside a steel cage. So. Goodness gracious. I mean, you already put the woman through a street fight, for God's sakes. Now you're going to throw her in a cage? I don't sure. know about this. I don't know about this, William Regal. Seems a little excessive to me. And poor Tegan Knox, for God's sakes, trying to take that bump through her table. That was... I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but that's, that did not work out. That yeah. did not work out. Um, Unfortunately, um, and I am the table moment. Yes. <laughs> bad times. Bad times. It's been bad times for the ladies in tables recently. Yeah. It's not, work, not working out. Not working out. But uh, <coughs> so you got that coming up in a couple of weeks, a big old steel cage match. We'll see if that's the – we'll see if that's a big blow off to this feud or not. I'm – I tend to guess probably not, but yeah, you know these these things tend to go on for a while. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, we've seen them do steel cage matches in the past, and sometimes it's been used for for write off to send somebody to the main roster. So I mean, we'll see what they decide to do. But uh, I'm I'm a fan of the match because I really like their takeover match. So um, you know, finish was a little flat with Raquel and everything, but that aside, I, I really thought they kicked it uh, kicked ass in their match to pay per view. So. So oh. here's the question, real quick: If uh, if they were to use this as a write-off match to send somebody to the main roster, uh, who are you sending? Because I I think they've got this thing going with Dakota and Raquel Gonzalez here, where I think I I would think Dakota would be staying around for a while. I would I would think. I kind of think they would. Plus, I kind of think you need heels, Ron. I I kind of don't want either of them to be called up because, you know, you're going to be pulling Shane up. You're going to be pulling. I think they should pull Bianca up. Yeah. And then I don't know if you want to pull someone else up. Now, granted, there is a shit ton of talent because, I mean, you know, again, like this week, we didn't see like Candice LeRae or Mia Yim, just to name two, and Eos out of action. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a ton of talent to pull from, yep. but um, I, I don't, I just, I don't have a lot of faith that they would do a lot with, with either Tegan or Dakota on the main roster. Yeah, I, I, as much as I hate to say it, I, I, I think both of them probably wind up lost in the shuffle pretty quickly. Although heel Dakota Kai teaming up with Aunt Pam on SmackDown wouldn't be horrible. <laughs> that could work. I could see that. So, got a Rhea Ripley promo from TakeOver where she talked about Charlotte accepting her challenge. And she said she got what she wanted and said that even queens can get nightmares because Rhea's going to fuck that bitch up. <laughs> hope so but, very um, well could very well could it's uh i think i think it's the right match to have oh definitely yeah. uh young austin theory arrived i guess he was going to have a match but tomasa Ciampa walked out and interrupted him see that you know we never found out who he's going to wrestle either that always bothers me yeah that's Ch- a pet peeve of mine Ciampa basically warned him you know he basically told him don't try me tonight son so <laughs> said he was too focused on getting Goldie back and he missed all the signs leading to what Johnny Gargano did to him at TakeOver. Theory tried to grab onto him to stop him, got his ass beat. Ciampa just said he was going to get his life back. There can be no Gargano in NXT. And Ciampa just beat the shit out of this young man and like threw him into the barricade about 57 times. And uh, yeah, Austin Theory chose poorly. He did, but this kind of furthers the story that I'm getting out of this, is that Tommaso Ciampa is still not a very good person. No, he's, he's really I mean, not. the man walks out in the middle of Austin Theory's match, uh, well, even before Austin, Austin Theory can have a match. This poor kid Theory, he hasn't been around for too long. He's trying to get a break. He's try, He's hoping to get a big win here on XT, further his career. And what happens? Ciampa comes out, starts blabbering on about whatever the hell he's blabbering on about, and Austin Theory wants to have a match. He wants to wrestle. He wants to do something. So 
Champa just uh, you know beats the crap out of the guy. I don't know. That's that that wasn't a very that wasn't a very nice thing to do. I thought. Uh, we got a Finn Balor video package where he talks about uh, every height opponent has fallen to him, and he's going to be back next week on the show. So, well, there you have it. Finnegan coming off of a big takeover win. Yep. Uh, Steve, this next match fe- featured NXT regulars uh, Joaquin Wild, the former DJZ, and Raul Mendoza. Their opponents, because I know you're not familiar with the brand, these are the grizzled young veterans. The bald gentleman is Zach Gibson. The other man is James Drake. Uh, they claim to be not only Liverpool's number one, but the best tag team in the business. Mm. So um, I, I know the NXT UK guys kind of all run together for you. They tend to, to be honest. <laughs> but they all kind of, when you flip back and forth between these shows and you see random dude in tights, one random dude in tights, two, one's bald, one's got hair. Eh, you know, that could be any number of teams to me. <laughs> I don't know. This is fair. <laughs> So the uh, the Grizzled Young Veterans uh, won at 4.35 via pin. Um, I thought they had a perfectly solid and fun little four-and-a-half-minute match. Grizzled Young Veterans won. I, I was, I'm not really sure why the fuck they're there this week, other than the fact that they're absolutely doing nothing with them in NXT UK right now, even though they're former champions. Well, from what I can I I think uh, they're going to... From what I can tell, from looking at the tweets and looking at how they're booked here and how they were booked in the Dusty Classic, I would say that the Grizzled Young Veterans are probably going to be over here for a while now. I mean, it's that's, de- that's the way they're booking it, you know? Definitely a possibility. And unfortunately, I think we know who they're going to feud with. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> James uh, Gibson ran down the neckbeards and ignorant yanks. What's wrong with the. Uh, well, I mean. I don't understand. I, I feel like this guy probably knows something about neckbeards. Yes, he was uh, he was not pleasant this evening. No. Uh, the Burserweights Rod came, cel- came through celebrating with the crowd, with Matt Riddle hugging people. Pete Dunne being Pete Dunne, just kind of raising the title and giving out some fist bumps. At least they didn't sing. That's right. Uh, Matt, they asked where the golf cart was, and Pete reminded them that it got impounded because of uh, Riddle. Riddle says they both partied hard, but their Dusty Cup partied so hard that it failed the wellness test and got suspended. Well, that happened from time to time. So that led to the Broserweights versus uh, Danny Burch and Oni Lork and Steve. Champions yeah. uh, winning the non-title match in uh, 11 minutes via pin. What did you think of our next tag team match here? Well, it made, you know, you have to have the tag, tag team champions win, even if it's a non-title match. You know, sometimes the phrase non-title match means that the champions are going to lose. At least certainly that happens on other shows. But fortunately on NXT, you have uh, you have Dunn, you have Riddle here, and they need to win these matches. They need to, they need to look good. And uh, Lorcan and Birch, I think we, we all know they're two solid professional wrestlers. And uh, this is kind of what they excel at, which might be unfortunate for them that they excel at putting people over, but uh, they do a darn good job at it, right? They do. Which might be unfortunate because, you know, you get kind of pigeonholed in that slot from time to time. And, uh, you know, as much as I enjoy Oni Lorcan on on the Twitter machine, it's kind of tough to see him really ever getting an extended uh, push on top of anything. But, uh, you know, he's going to be around working good matches, so good for that. That's right. Uh, Oni is only Oni can tweeted in all capitals. Got my ass kicked on NXT tonight. Accurate. So, yeah, uh, good little match here. Uh, obviously, didn't go really long, but uh, good work from everybody involved. Like I said, uh, Oni and Danny are just rock solid and always good. They can be great when they need to be. 
this is like you said, unfortunately, kind of probably going to be their role. I mean, they they popped over and did NXT UK for a taping, and they won like a match or two, and then they lost the important match. So, I mean, at least you know you're going to get something good from them, which is the good thing. Yeah. And um, but yeah, it's a nice little TV match here to have coming out of Takeover. Champions, you know, picking up where they left off at the Takeover. Picking up a win, and obviously still a really fun and entertaining team. We will see how long they last, Steve. I think uh, they might last a little longer than people think. I got, I just got a feeling about them. Yeah, I don't know, like how long. I don't have a ballpark or anything. I was just, you know, we'll see. But yeah, uh, Roddy was backstage and told the rest of the undisputed era that he needs to do his match alone tonight for them to stay there. And then we got this fucking bullshit. The Forgotten Sons were upset on Twitter. About the grizzled young veterans wanting to take over NXT and referencing neckbeards. And yeah. they said they're going to beat their ideals into them. And all I could think of when I saw this, Steve, was fuck off. Go yeah. away. Yeah. Nobody likes you. You're the Forgotten Sons for a reason. Nobody can possibly give a fuck about you. Now, you know, the old question that Mark Nutley used to ask on ROH commentary comes to mind here. Who do you root for in a match like this? Oh, the Grizzled Young Vets, because the Forgotten Sons are a bunch of fucktards. They suck. Well, the Grizzled Young Veterans are making fun of ignorant Yanks and talking about neckbeards. Am I supposed to like them? Yes, but at least they have regularly quality matches. <laughs> I can't deal with fucking bad professional wrestling or poor professional wrestling. Or just bland professional wrestling, which all fall it, under the Forgotten Sons category. Check all the boxes. I mean, it's a fair point, especially when you insist on jamming everybody in the free world into the WWE Performance Center. That uh, you want to shove every wrestler into that place, but yet you trot these people out on TV. No room for these fuckers on TV. Get them <laughs> in the bin like Kushida. Back Throw in the, the back bin. again, back on the Largo loop. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, th- th- throw them in the uh, in the box to OVW like the Spirit Squad. <laughs> oh, poor bastards. So, North American champion Big Keith Lee arrived, and he was yeah. looking all happy after retaining his title, was going to have some promo time. But speaking of another fucktard that needs off my TV, Kona fucking Reeves arrived. Kona fucking Reeves, this dude. Who does he know? I, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Uh, somebody told me like he's dating uh, like somebody that might have I don't know but oh gosh one of those this fucking guy but before he could really speak Keith Lee killed him with a pounce they rang the bell he hit the ground zero and that was it I don't call it the big bang catastrophe because I think it's a shitty name you don't call it the big bang catastrophe which uh over on offteam.com, we finally figured out the double on Zonder behind that. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, oh, it's like, oh, that's what they're doing. Okay. Yeah. Right up there with the submission sisters. Yes. <laughs> In any event, that was, uh, you know, I, you know, I can't even say that was a match because that was barely even a match. My official results read champion Keith Lee defeated Kona Reeves at 10 seconds via pin rating LOL. I will say it's a good sign for equality if, in fact, Tony Reeves is getting pushed because of who he's dating. I don't know. It's just like I don't. Th- I don't even know. He's usually accused of women of doing that, but now we're accusing the men of doing that. So cool. We're moving on. You know, we're we're it's equality, man. I have no time for Tony Reeves. Can we speculate on which one he's dating? No, I don't. I don't like I said. I'm not I even sure if it's true. But... 
I wouldn't have the slightest idea. But uh, I, I will say at least it only lasted ten seconds, and Keith Lee got to kill a man, so that's always good. Yeah, then, that's, then you don't gotta, often hear the phrase "at least that only lasted ten seconds." Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do, Steve? Hey, we are gonna watch Donovan Dijakovic come out. Yeah, Dominic Dijakovic arrived. Said he wasn't ready to move on yet. Started making excuses for why he lost. Keith Lee didn't want to hear any of this bullshit, but he was like, well, you know, the fans do want us to fight forever. Said he won on Sunday and he's willing to do it again. And all I can think of was like, I mean, sure, it's likely going to fucking roll again and kick ass, but was kind of hoping for Keith Lee to move on to something new. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I mean, yeah, and we sound terrible for complaining about the match because it was a really fun match to take over. But, again, you're kind of thinking, well, maybe it's time for Keith Lee to face somebody else. I don't know. Do they just not have any ideas for other people from the face or what? And if you don't have any other ideas for people from the face, then why the hell is he North American champion? Yeah, so, I I mean, like I said, I'm sure it'll rule if they do another rematch, and I'll love it. But I just, like I said, I, I was kind of looking for something fresh coming out of this, you know. Well, Keith Lee will still uh, be basking in the glory and all that stuff, and we'll be feasting our eyes and, yeah, well, all, all that kind of stuff. Speaking of feasting your eyes on something, this next match, I was feasting my eyes on, on, on something. Chelsea Green versus Caden Carter, yes. Steve, and I, I saw you had an observation about young Chelsea Green's ring gear. Yeah, it seems to me that her ring gear is getting smaller with each passing week, you know, which is not not something I'm complaining about, ladies and gentlemen. I saw you post that, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, at first I'm like, oh, Steve, you fucking horn dog, and then like, but hey, I, let's be hang on, hang here. on. Then I turn on NXT, <laughs> and I'm like, he might not be wrong. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I I I am not complaining. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, there's uh. It does seem like there's being a lot less covered up with each week. So Chelsea Green versus Caden Carter. This match starts off, Steve, and they work for like two minutes and it's whatever. And then Bianca Belair comes out and rolls in the ring with the microphone. Yeah. And she's, she gives them the, I'm going to let you finish, <laughs> but I have to talk about Charlotte. You don't even go here. I told you, and you put your hands on me. I don't care if it's on NXT or somewhere else. I'm going to whoop that ass. And I'm like, okay, that, that, that that's great. But I'll, I'll get back to it in a minute. So this was followed by a series of sloppy slow motion roll-offs by Chelsea Green. <laughs> and then Chelsea Green went to hit her finish, which is the unprettier. Now, you guys remember this. Um, Billy Kidman used a version of it. Kid, or, um, Christian used a version of it. Kazarian uses a version of it. You grab the arms, you turn them around, and you're I've standing seen... with them, and they're facing down. You drop yeah. Don, and you drop them face first on the mat. Correct, I've Steve? seen Laurel Van Ness do it plenty of times, yes. Yes. So, I mean, so but the gist of the move, Steve, is you turn them around, right, and you're dropping them on their face. Yeah. Now... What did Chelsea Green do in this match, Steve? Uh, she did the complete opposite of that, Larry. <laughs> Somehow, Chelsea Green hooked her finish wrong, turned Caden Carter over, and dropped her in a flat back bump. Yeah. I'm watching the gif right now. I'm like, how do you fuck up your finish? 
Pierce completely lost track of which way she turned <laughs> her, and I guess she had her back to her, so she couldn't see that her face was facing straight up. You know, I just yeah, that was that was awkward and weird and strange and whatnot. And well, you also had Robert Stone doing lame interference. Let's not forget that. Yeah, leading to that finish. So here's the thing, Steve. It's like first of all, we talk about how TV time is a premium. We talk about how loaded this NXT women's division is. You can't be out there allegedly getting a push and fucking your finish up. <laughs> I don't know about you, Steve. Chelsea wanted 440 via pin. First of all, I thought the match was no good at all. I thought it was a rare miss for the women's division. And thirdly, why can't Bianca just come out and maybe beat the shit out of them post-match and cut a promo? Don't do it in the middle of the match. Why can't Bianca cut a promo backstage like other people? Yeah. So, so yeah, the, yeah, I I hated that. I thought that made no sense. The match was uh, pretty blah. But uh, you know, I think you're being a little harsh to, uh, towards Miss Chelsea Green, though. I, I think you're being a little harsh. She fucked up her finish on national TV, Steve. You know, maybe she was trying to adjust to her new ring gear. She fucked up her finish horribly on TV, Steve. <laughs> You know, um, in a gimmick that's not getting over with Robbie fucking E. No, that gimmick's not going anywhere. I agree with you on that. That thing's dead on arrival. That's not going to get over. But uh, I still think that Chelsea Green has a lot of potential. I'm sorry. There's uh, there's uh, a couple things there that's uh, just she has she has some things going for her. I'm sorry. Quick. And how does uh, how about how does Zach Ryder keep getting all this stuff too? Like, man, a guy goes from Emma to Chelsea. You're like, how does Zach Ryder do it? And why are we complaining? Why do we feel sorry for Zach Ryder when that's what he's coming home to? Uh, I think Chelsea Green is low key into the action figure market. <laughs> Maybe. Well, uh, she kind of looks like uh, some of the action figures I've seen in the past. To be honest with you. But yeah, I don't feel bad for Zack Ryder at all. But like, listen, dude, I'm not saying Chelsea Green is a horrible professional wrestler. I think she's good. I do she think there's a lot of potential. But that. yeah, it yeah. was just between the slow motion roll ups and fucking upper finish. I'm just like, <laughs> wolf, man. All I could think of was there are 40 women in that fucking NXT warehouse going, give me a fucking chance. Her best friend, Deanna Peraza, would kill to be on TV. You imagine Santana Garrett sitting there watching that after she got jobbed out in 40 seconds last week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So next week we get Austin Theory dying at the hands of Tommaso Ciampa. That poor bastard. Yeah. Uh, Finn Balor will will appear in that. I want to know who is booked to wrestle to begin with. I want to know who Austin Theory was booked to wrestle tonight. Who is he going to face? That's all I'm asking. Maybe he's, I want Shawn Michaels or Triple H to tell me. Who is he going to wrestle? Maybe he's going to come out and cut a promo and be like, Tommaso Ciampa, you son of a bitch. I was supposed to face Kona Reeves. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, maybe that was the match. That's why Kona Reeves wandered out later on. Okay. <laughs> that would that would make sense. All right. But then I'm glad we didn't have to sit through Austin Theory and Kona Reeves, which, no offense, Austin Theory does have some potential. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he does. Although he's probably going to die next week, so that, that might end his potential. Yeah. So um, not a ton announced next week because one match and Finn Balor appearing, so. Well, you know, so you can't have you can't have the whole role presents you every single week, Larry Zonka. Uh, it would have been nice to have maybe one more match announced, though. So. Well, uh, aren't we going to have the grizzled young veterans and the Forgotten Sons? 
Possibly. I mean, do we not want that match? <laughs> that's probably not I, a match you want. Not, not right. particularly. No. So. <laughs> so in that case, may your bear off of them not announcing it. Uh, main event, Steve, the Velveteen Dream wearing a onesie versus Roger Strong. Yeah, that was an interesting. Uh, what would Morris say? Satorial. So was that the word he's using? A satorial decision sure. that Velveteen Dream went there, wearing his onesie or his pajamas. Where the hell wearing, is wearing some Ken Patera hand-ons. Hand-ons. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, so yeah, he's, he's out there in his onesie, which later on he would take off and reveal Marina Shafir on his crotch. He Cont- went full-blown Rick Root on that one. That's yeah. right. Um, so Steve Cook, Velveteen Dream defeated Roderick Strong, 1540 via pin after fighting off the Undisputed Era, hitting the Dream Valley driver for the win. What did you think of the main event? Well, unfortunately, you know, I, I think I had some higher expectations for this one, to be honest with you, because I figure with uh, Roddy being held off the takeover card for this match, and with Velveteen Dream making his big comeback, um, I was kind of expecting a knockdown, balls-to-the-wall kind of match, and we didn't quite get that. I don't know if it's because May Dream is still kind of working his way back into things. May is just not 100% yet, uh, but... Uh, it didn't quite. Uh, it didn't quite get as good as I was hoping for, and I still maintain. And I know I'll get yelled at by people who disagree. I still say if you wear some tights like the Velveteen Dream is wearing, honestly, if you wear those tights or that onesie, you, you kind of deserve a beatdown. Either way, whether whichever whichever outfit you're wearing, you kind of deserve an ass whooping. Well, he got an ass whooping after the match because Undisputed Era kicked shit out of him. He deserves it. So, um. <laughs> I, I agree. First of all, let me say it was a good match, but I agree with you. I expected a lot more, especially because Roddy's so fucking great. And I don't know if it was the time off or that he maybe had an off night, but I thought that dream largely felt off tonight. I did not think he had not a horrible night, but he didn't have a great night. I thought this was a lot of Roddy carrying things. Um, the reason this never sniffed past the old gentleman's three of good to me is because it really felt like they lost the plot here. Because the whole thing is, Roddy was coming in all pissed off because this motherfucker's wearing his uh, wife and son on his trunks. And yeah. I was expecting, like, fired to fuck up Roddy Strong looking for revenge and Velveteen Dream being a total asshole. And I got... Velveteen Dream being off, being kind of an asshole, and Roddy, Roddy Strong basically working for both of them most of the time, so he didn't really get the focus on hating Velveteen Dream, yeah. and it didn't like, it didn't like play off of all the promo work he did and like talking about how he was going to get revenge and end Velveteen Dream. It was like, I'm going to go out there and we're going to have a grappling contest and it's going to be a quality wrestling match and I will try to beat you. <laughs> He didn't say, so he didn't even say, we're going to have a five-star classic. He just went out and said, we're going to have a decent wrestling match. Yeah, so it's just, it, I mean, I tried not to have overly high expectations, but I thought, like, I look at Roddy Strong matches, and the dude is so good, and like you said, he wasn't on takeover, so I'm like, oh, so they're going to let him have, like, a fucking 15, 20-minute banger on NXT TV? All right, well, that's that's awesome. You know, I mean, you have such a loaded roster, you didn't have to throw that or the Cruiserweight title match on TakeOver. You save them for TV. Good. And I thought the Cruiserweight title match really delivered. And then this was like, it it was 
good. Like, it was, yeah, it was there. I think maybe that Chelsea Green match would have done better on TakeOver. I, I, I think with that crowd, it might have had a different, uh, different flavor. I'm just uh, saying. Until she hit her finisher wrong, and then they sit on it. <laughs> well, maybe she would hit right in Portland. <laughs> I don't know, Steve. I we'll don't find know. out the next time she gets to hit her finisher, which, uh, well, may, well, we'll see if she gets to hit her finisher again or not. <laughs> see if she's on TV again. All right, Steve, that's going to... Yeah. That's going to bring us to the old head-to-head comparison for the night. And if you don't mind, I'd like to go first tonight. Go ahead. I thought NXT this week was an overall good show that felt a little flat. And also like a kind of... It was an episode coming out of TakeOver that was like a positioning one where they kind of reset the table so they can move forward. I thought Devlin versus Rush was easily the best thing on the show. And I like that they announced the Knox versus Kai match. But at the same time, like, it was a good show, but if, like, nothing on this show felt hot to me or overly important. It was just like, it filled two hours, it was good, it didn't offend me other than the Chelsea Green match. And it was good. And then I look at Dynamite and. I'm not going to lie. I love Dynamite this week. I thought it was on par with last week. And this this company feels like they're on a roll and really locked in now. I thought the tag team battle, Royal, like it not only gave us the right winner, it set up some other feuds, and I thought it overachieved. The women's division continues its strides to improve. Moxley and Cobb delivered. And like I said, that post-match angle helped build three different pay-per-view matches. The tag title match delivered a great TV match, set us up for that pay-per-view match. And the steel cage match delivered. It looked good. It told a simple and great story. And I just, I loved the show. I thought it was a great show again this week on the level of last week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to sit here and just kind of go, yeah, you're right. But that's kind of, that's kind of worrying at where I'm at as well. I thought, uh, NXT came up a little bit short this week. You know, I probably may I expect may it's my own fault for expecting too much out of Velveteen Dream and Roderick Strong, but uh, that match uh, kind of let me down a little bit. And uh, you know, you had some you had some decent action. You had the cruiserweight match was good. You had uh, some solid tag team matches. You had uh, well, I mean, I'm sorry, I still like Chelsea Green, you know, but <laughs> if she can hit her finisher right, it would be pretty great. It'd be even better, right? You know, even better. But uh, you know, and you had the kind of weird deal with people walking in during matches and cutting promos for some reason. Just kind of some weird stuff going on at NXT at night overall. Whereas on on the AEW, they're kind of uh, going full guns blazing towards their pay per view. It's just setting thing up and, and just making everything uh, mean something. You had Cody Rhodes nearly kill himself on a moonsault. You know, I mean, what's not to like, man? I mean, I can't really look at anything that happened on, on the Dynamites Nine and say, "Well, that 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 sucked." That wasn't good. Yeah, and um, like, I don't know, Steve. I mean, I'm just, I I know a lot of people. Oh, Larry just likes AW. Blah, blah blah. I mean, it really feels like this show has really locked in since the beginning of the year, and that they have like a ton of momentum. They do, and I thought that uh, you know, and I thought NXT had some pretty good momentum coming off the Takeover show as well, because I thought that was I thought that was overall pretty strong effort they had on Sunday. But you know, sometimes uh, those shows right after those Takeovers tend to suffer a little bit. Yeah. So, and, and again, like like I said, just like 
I thought the NXT show, I didn't think there was anything horribly wrong with it. I've seen some people say it was a phoned-in show tonight, and, I, you know, I, I don't really call it that. It didn't feel like anybody was dogging it. It was just like, it was like a lower-level good show that just didn't feel important. And, I mean, obviously you can't have, like, home-run shows every week. Nobody does. But, um... I don't know. I just, I guess the best way to put it is like nothing really connected with me on NXT tonight. And like made me like, the only thing that really kind of made me care was like, I'm going to see Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai again. I like that. And then like, I was like, you know, and and I really enjoyed the cruiserweight title match, but like, it wasn't like I was wowed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. As long as I keep Tegan away from the table. That's all I'm saying. Just keep her away from the table. No reason for that. If they try to put her through a table off top of a cage, I'm gonna somebody's gonna be in trouble. You know, and like considering her injury history, they have a lot of faith in her right now because it's like put her in a fucking street fight and throw her off yeah. the top rope through a table, and now we're like, hey Teagues, we're gonna throw you in a cage match now. <laughs> it's like, what? yeah, I mean that's kind of the thing. I know it's I know it's a hot feud, and I like the I like the fact that they're getting these opportunities, but at the, at the same time, they're they're both they both got bad knees. You know, it's. It's like, you know, the guys that come back from injury and immediately they get thrown into the Money in the Bank liar match. Like, oh, great, thanks. You know, that'll, that'll work. <laughs> yeah, never, never a good thing. So uh, that is going to, I guess, wrap us up for tonight, Steve. We're going to be back this weekend. I got a, I got a few things planned for the weekend show. It's going to entail multiple guests. Steve and I are going to be doing a big throwback review this weekend. And then I'm going to have, uh, if all works out well, Mark Radlitz should be on to help preview the Saudi show with me. And then I'm having Ian Hamilton on, and we're going to do a a deep dive into NXT UK. The birth, the lack of growth, the issues with it overall. Um, just a lot of stuff we've talked about on and off, and we decided to kind of do a deep dive on it. And Ian is my UK expert since he lives over there, and is big into the uh, UK indie scene and all that, so he has extra perspectives on it that I wouldn't being over here. So, so it's always great to talk to him. Is he going to tell us how it's great that WWE killed off the British indie, indie scene? Oh, no. No, no. no. not quite. <laughs> not quite. So, But, uh, yeah, we got some uh, stuff planned for this weekend, uh, but uh, just we're not going to reveal it, but Steve and I will be doing a retro TNA review. Yeah. So uh, that'll be a good time, and... Uh, I'm going to let Steve go here in a minute, and then I'm going to carry on with a little solo audio to finish things out. All righty, kids. We're going to close up with a little solo audio from Larry tonight. I'm going to preview the Impact Sacrifice special, which takes place Saturday night on the Impact Plus service. A lot of these specials, unfortunately, get skipped out on by a lot of the other sites, but there is a lot of good stuff on these shows at times. Um, you know, there's a mixed bag as always, but, uh, you know, I do find there to be some really fun stuff on these shows and uh, it helps justify the cost of the service, especially if you're not deep into the backlog of stuff. So sacrifice takes place again, Saturday night, all before written preview. I will also have uh full coverage over the weekend. We start off with Jay Bradley versus Willie Mack. And I think you guys may remember Jay Bradley. He had cups of coffee, both with WWE and TNA He's an alright worker. There's nothing really spectacular about him. I don't find him to be bad, but he's kind of just a guy to me. Willie Mack is obviously the star of the match here, and um, this should really be a... 
I think kind of a short showcase match for Willie because Willie's going to get some shine while which while Rich Mack is unfortunately injured. But uh, obviously, I think Willie Mack wins this one again. Shouldn't go too long. Should be a nice showcase for him. Next up, we have Joey Ryan and Johnny Swinger. I believe we all know this will be the comedy portion of the card. Um, it's going to be a lot of gimmick from both guys. Um, I find Swinger really more entertaining than Joey Ryan these days. I like his throwback gimmick a lot. And, you know, Joey R- Ryan is the uh, famous dick wrestler, so there you go. Um, Joey Ryan probably wins. Hopefully it's entertaining and doesn't go too long because I think part of the problem with the Joey Ryan stuff is his matches will go a little too long when they don't have to. There's nothing wrong with a comedy-style match on the card to mix things up. I, I, I personally have no problem with it. I just think it needs to stay in its lane and not go too long. We have tag team action next. Uh, the OVE crew of Madman Fulton and Jake Chris taking on Larry D and AC Romero. Obviously, Madman Fulton and Dave are they're your unified force as part of OVE. They have the advantage. I really like Fulton these days. I think he's doing a lot of fun stuff. I'm still really waiting for them to let him loose um, and kind of let him go a little more all out. I mean, I don't need him doing topes and flippity-doos, but I mean, just let the guy open up a little more because he's shown a lot of potential right now. Dave, uh, no offense to Dave Christ, I kind of find him as the weak link of OVE right now. He doesn't do a lot for me. And then you have Larry D and AC Romero, who were both signed following um, performances on the Impact Specials. AC had a really good one. The Larry D one, I really didn't get. I guess Impact sees something in him, and I have no problem with giving a guy a chance. But again, he's he doesn't do much for me personally, and maybe I'll be impressed here. They really haven't... Uh, Larry D has basically not really been used. AC Romero has been used a little bit. Uh, was in that uh, ladder match, Bound for Glory. I think he has a lot more potential, obviously, than Larry D. He has a lot of charisma as well. The OVE boys traditionally do really well on these specials, and I wouldn't be surprised with them picking up the win, but I strongly feel that Larry D and AC Romero kind of are in desperate need of a win and to, to make it look like these signings mean something. So I kind of hope that they pick up the win here. And, um, I mean, I don't think OVE would lose anything, especially with Dave taking a fall. And if anything, OVE can get the heat back after the match and beat the shit out of them. I mean, it's fine. But I really think Larry D and AC Romero need a win here. Match should be all right. Next up, we have Moose versus Rhino. And, um, yes, again, because they met back at Hard to Kill. Moose defeated Rhino in a no DQ match, which was actually pretty good. Um, the stipulation helped a lot. But for some reason, Impact has decided to continue this feud, and I seriously have no idea why other than it's for reasons. Um, Moose, I think we can agree, is a talent that Impact has a lot of high hopes for in terms of making it as a main event talent, and I do still think in many ways Moose has a long way to go, but I also think he's also greatly improved, and his heel work's been really good. The other thing is, and I also realize this, you can't push everybody at once, But I think we can do better than Rhino again for Moose. I mean, just give me something new here. The company's been doing their best to sell Rhino as a legend. I I just, I don't buy it. Don Callis tries so hard. His job is to get the product over, but you also have to have some honesty to your commentary, I think. So um, they may add a stipulation, which would help, certainly. 
Um, but honestly, Moose needs to win this, and he needs to get the hell away from Rhino as soon as possible. If Moose loses, and again, I, I don't know anything. I'm just saying, if he loses, maybe he's on the way out, and maybe that's why they're doing this again. Um, but I think it would be really dumb if Moose lost. He really needs to win here, and just he needs to get the hell away from Rhino. Get him into something he can sink his teeth into. Get him in there with a really good babyface worker. Let Moose be an asshole. Let him shine. Let him be an athlete. And move on and start elevating him a little more. Just do something with the man. Feels like he's totally spinning his wheels at this point, which I find to be a real shame. Next up, this match. I love this. We have the North versus the Rascals. And not only is it the North who are great, but it's the Rascals team of Dez and Wentz, which, as we should all know, they are the superior pairing in the Rascals. They have more experience as a team. I love them. All four of these guys always work and deliver. They work hard and deliver on these specials. And I, they don't have bad matches. You, you just have to give them some time, give them some freedom. And if they get that, I think they'll kill it and probably have the best match on the show. If this is non-title, the Rascals certainly have a chance to win. But even if it is a title match, I think we need to remember that the North originally won these titles on an Impact Plus special. So, a title change is not completely out of the question. I'm really looking forward to this. On it really looks like the match of the night, I think, just because, again, all these four, all four of these guys deliver. They're really good. And I also still think that these guys really have a chip on their shoulders, especially the North, because the North have been great, but they still kind of have that shadow over them that they're not LAX. And that's a huge thing to live up to, but they've done really well, and I think that they've been great tag champions. Again, probably my pick for match of the night here. Next up, uh, Jordan Grace versus Havoc. It looks to be a non-title match, judging by the graphic and announcement. Grace recently won the Knockouts Championship, ending Ty's record-breaking reign. And I'm a big fan of the move to Jordan Grace as the champion because I think Ty is really good. She can be great at times. But her run did really nothing for me. I felt it was too cliche, too one-note in how it was booked. And that's unfortunate because I think it really devalued her overall because she's really good. I mean, the the record-breaking run is going to be there, and it's great. Um, Havoc returned back in you know, 2019, and she's been kind of stuck in that Dark Universe stick with Rosemary and Sue Young. She's never really moved on, and it doesn't feel like they really know what they want to do with her. Sometimes she's this great monster. Sometimes she's just there. Uh, she hasn't been bad by any means, but nothing overall in her run has really impressed me. And I find that frustrating because I've seen her do a lot of good things. So I'm not sure if it's the booking, just bad matchups, or something is just not clicking in this run. I'm hoping for the best here. Grace probably wins as she should because she just won the title. No reason to have her eat a loss this early. Co-main event of the evening is Daga and Jake Crist. Uh, this is definitely a fun one on paper. A loose extension of the Tessa and Friends versus OVE storyline of the past year. I do really like the addition of Daga to the Impact roster. I find him a really good and strong performer. I know a lot of people aren't sold on him yet, but he does a lot of good stuff. He can be used in tags and singles effectively, and... Jake has been a really good and consistent former for Impact through his whole run. 
um, both in singles and in tag matches. And quite honestly, I I um I prefer him as a singles opposed to tagging with Dave these days. And um, I really enjoyed his X Division title run, and I really feel it was kind of overlooked by a lot of people. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it was a great all-time X Division run, but Jake had a lot of good matches, he was extremely con- consistent, and his matches always have that upper-tier potential if they're given the time and freedom and he has the right opponent. So this match feels like it's going to be kind of an X Division Eliminator match, based on the recent Dog Ovi interactions and the fact that there are no real legit X Division title contenders right now. So with that being the case, I'm going to go with Daga picking up the win here. And uh, that should maybe set him up for a match with Ace Austin. Possibly at the uh, upcoming Rebellion pay-per-view. Speaking of Ace Austin, that's going to take us to our main event of the evening. Tessa Blanchard facing off with Ace Austin in a champion versus champion non-title match. And this is a great little match to headline one of these Impact uh, Plus specials. The story is simple. Ace cost her the X Division Championship back at Bound for Glory in the latter match. He then, you know, won against her in a tag match on Impact. He's been a dick doer ever since. He's been a good X Division champion. I think he's turned into one of the best heels in the company. So, since they aren't immediately going with the Sammy rematch, it works really well on a special like this. I think it's smart and simple booking. There's nothing wrong with that. I've repeatedly said that Tessa's a good babyface and also Impact's biggest star. I have no issue with her winning the championship, uh, despite all the hullabaloo that was going on around it. Um, Tessa's a star. Uh, So unless there's like a ton of interference from Reno Scum, there's no reason that this match should not be good, even potentially great if they get the time and again the freedom. I'm looking forward to this one. I think Ace is... A fun and really diverse performer. Tessa consistently delivers in her bigger matches. And the best part about this one is this pairing works really well because size-wise they match up. It's not like Tessa's facing a giant like Brian Cage in a singles match or anything. It works. Tessa should win. Ace will uh, likely get the shine a lot here, as he should as a co-champion here. And um, again, a fitting main event for a show like this. No problem with it. Excuse me, sorry about that. And um, I like the match a lot. Again, as long as it's not overbooked, I think it has potential to deliver. And I'm looking forward to this. So, um, Impact Sacrifice 2020, again, takes place Saturday night. I'll have coverage of the show. I'll have a full written preview. And um, I'll probably discuss it sometime next week in the fallout. Um, A little bit of a mixed bag at times. Some of the early matches don't look exactly great. But again, you have stuff like Daga and Jake. You have the North versus the Rascals. Um, They all look like good matches. And maybe a couple of the other undercard matches surprise us and are better than usual. So that is going to wrap me up for tonight. I do want to thank Steve, as always, for helping out with the usual um, Wednesday night show. And that's going to close up episode 92 for the week. I want to remind everybody that... This is the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the 411mania.com website, any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to our show. Give us a thumbs up and subscribe on the YouTube. Want to go to the pay window? Uh, you know, subscribe all around on your podcasting platform. Share us around on social media. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to. And in a closing note, I do want to quickly thank 
everybody. I know we've gone through a little bit of a transitional change here with the show. Jeremy moving on to do some other things and spend more time with his wife, which I totally understand. And, you know, we've had some some changes. We've uh, I've tried to mix in some uh, more guests. We have Steve doing the Wednesday shows. I've had Kevin Pantoja join me a couple times, and he's been great. I've had Ian Hamilton from Back Body Drop on. I'm going to have Mark Radlich on coming up. And we're just trying to mix some things up. We're trying to mix in some retro reviews and previews and all the regular coverage. So I want to thank everybody because numbers are still really good. You guys have been amazingly supportive. And uh, we're almost going on a year here. We're closing in on episode 100. And um, your support means a lot to me, honestly. I'm not just saying that. Um, You guys have been great. I know there are a ton of podcasts out there, not just from guys like me that cover wrestling, but professional wrestlers and people that have been in the business. There is a lot of podcast hours out there. So for those of you that choose to listen to us, thank you again. And I hope you guys have a wonderful week.